podcast designed to analyze the games that we love, headlines and music, and the news we can't forget. I'm your host, Wendell Burns, along with my counterparts, Avon Morris. How's it going, man? We got four people on here, brother. <laughs> it's a little packed. <laughs> Full house. <laughs> well, as Avon was saying, we, we do have two special guests, Greco Battles, um, Makaya Albert. Mr. Greco has been on for past episodes. Thanks so much for being back on, sir. And Makai Albert. Appreciate you having me. President of the Chiefs fan club. Whenever the Chiefs are about to have a, a game against the Packers, Chiefs Packers is coming up this yeah. Sunday. <laughs> Thanks for being on, man. <laughs> Always a pleasure, especially this week. Yes, this week. Strategic, strategic. I knew what you were doing. With you knew it. You knew it. <laughs> well, we have a lot of NFL and college football topics to get into. And to start off with the Eagles win versus Buffalo and kind of, you know, the, the Bills miss opportunities. Philly won 37 to 34 in overtime. And Jalen Hurts. Ran for the winning touchdown. Josh Allen also had 339 yards and two touchdowns. But, you know, now Buffalo's in danger of missing the playoffs after winning the AFC East the past three years. Uh, to you, Mr. Greco, like, what did you think about this game? And also just there were so many moments. It looked like Buffalo should have had it. This is a game I think they should have won. But they they really shot themselves in the foot multiple times. Uh, they really did. Uh, you know, Buffalo – yeah. All season has just been all over the place, okay? But it kind of but it kind of mirrors their quarterback, Josh Allen. You know, if you look at his stats, he's got, you know, all pro stats. He's you know, his numbers look good, but he's still he's victim of those turnovers. And uh, you know, and if for Buffalo to be good, they they've got to flow with him and how he works. They've got a lot of injuries. They still don't have a full 100%, you know, nobody does at this time of the season. But they've got a lot of injuries that's been affecting them. So they never, I, I never thought their team really glue had a chance to glue this year. Uh, but yet and still, I mean, that's the, that's where that coach. I, I have a feeling that this coach might be starting to lose his grip a little bit with this team. Um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, you got problems here every every week. If it's not Diggs upset, it's the other wide receiver uh, Davis. Uh, you know, he's out of you know he's out of sorts you know, what have you. And, you know, if they get together and just try to work with each other, they might be a little better off. But I really thought they had this game. They, they totally blew it as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Philadelphia just does what Philadelphia does, you know. They're, 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 to me, they're still really the, almost just like the most complete team in the league, but they still look beatable to me, you know. I still think they can be beat, but uh, they do what they do to, to win each week. And I think that's, that's, yeah, a, and that's, and that's a credit in their hat. Like the Eagles, they even though they are winning all these games, there's there still is some vulnerability in, in some of these outcomes. So you, Makai, what did you think about this? Obviously, you're you're an expert in seeing the Bills and what they can't do against the Chiefs. That 13 second, uh, 13 seconds left, and they weren't able to close it out. What did you think about this outcome? And also, just like what what Philly can Ooh. build on going forward. <laughs> Listen, I could say so much, you know, about the Bills and just pile drive them into the ground, but I think, <laughs> you know. I don't want to ruin Bills fans any more than what they are. Um, as far as this game went, just uh, just exactly what you guys said. This is I, w- I don't want to say that the Eagles gave up this game, but the Bills definitely should have had this one. This was one that I feel like they should have gone out and taken. Um, I usually, and you guys have known from the past episodes I've been on, I'm very critical of Josh Allen. You know the the narrative of him being up and down. Uh, kind of like a roller coaster. You never know what you're going to get one week from next week. He very much seems to play either up or down to his competition, depending on who they're playing that week. 
Um, and he had a great game, honestly. Like, I think they had like the one pick, if I remember correctly. I can't, I, I don't have a stats pull up. I think he had one pick, but I think that was, it wasn't even really necessarily a bad pick. I think it was kind of uh, a little bit of both his receiver and him being uh, miscommunication. Um, other than that, I think 300 plus yards, three TDs. Uh, I think he had a good amount of rushing yards. So this one, I actually put a lot more on McDermott, just not calling the correct plays that was going to put his weapon in Josh Allen, because for better or for worse, their best player is Josh Allen, uh, and not putting him in a good position to win that game on the final drive, instead just taking for granted, oh, we'll just we'll just kick the field goal and we'll go into overtime. When you're literally Sean McDermott, like everyone wants to jo- joke about Josh Allen being winless in the overtime since they changed the overtime rules. Well, that's a head coaching problem just as much as it is the quarterback problem sure. being winless yes. in overtime. Yeah. So I put this one a lot more on Sean McDermott as much as I like to give Josh Allen crap. This one to me was a lot more on the head coaching decision in terms of not being aggressive and going out and taking that game when it was there for the taking. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, To you, Savon, how did you kind of feel about the outcome of this game? We have mentioned like a lot of times in the past few weeks about how we feel as though the bills are really an underachieving team. They they have so much talent that they, they, they could be a lot better. Uh, What did you think about the way the game ended and also just, you know, the missed opportunities Buffalo had? Again, one of the, like Mr. Greco said, one of the most complete teams in the NFL, and they still haven't played a complete game. Unblemished, clean, no penalties. I mean, that's unheard of these days, but they still haven't played a complete game, and they're still finding a way to win. Now, I agree that McDermott should have gave uh, Allen a better shot to take it down the field instead of going and want to go into overtime. This is the best game the uh, Bills offense has played all all season. They went back to the yeah. basics. When Josh Allen first got into the league, he was this outstanding quarterback because he was extending plays or running him more. He had two rushing touchdowns. He got the ball out of his hand quick. He was more yes, he's more decisive. Yes, he was sir. accurate. He was confident. And him running the ball gave him that. And the offensive line gave him a clean pocket when it matters most. Yeah, they gave up some pressures. But that's where he's good at. He's in that pocket to be able to rush out and extend plays. And that's what he was doing. He was comfortable. You have to have a confidence at the head coach to give it to your starting quarterback. And he was showing all game that he can go down there and take it out of the overtime situation and win the game. They had the opportunity and they missed it. You can't give the Eagles any opportunity to shut the game down and win. They let them hang around too just, long. Yeah. Let them hang around way too long. This was a coaching era. This this game was a coaching era. We were talking about Josh Allen playing hero ball all year. This is the first game he played a complete game like he used to. Settled down, decisive ball by his hands, standing plays, and then the head coach just mm-hmm. killed it for him. Yeah, definitely. Um, and and I'm moving on to the Ravens win versus yeah. the Chargers. Uh, Baltimore won twenty to ten on the road, and Zay Flowers had a touchdown catch and ran for a game ceiling score late in the fourth quarter. Ravens also forced uh, four turnovers. And it's interesting because, like, the Chargers, they almost, like, are like the younger Bills because so many times they have opportunities as well. They can't capitalize on it. Baltimore has looked like one of the best teams in the AFC. Um, but it was a shaky it was a shaky win for them. It wasn't anything impressive. Uh, to you, Mr. Greco, what did you think about this outcome? And also, um, just how do you feel about Baltimore overall as an AFC um, contender? Well, I'll say this in that uh, I'll preface it by saying – my preseason pick, I had uh, uh, Baltimore and Buffalo in the AFC Finals. Wow. You know, even though I'm a Kansas City fan, 
I just thought their run might just slip this year. They'll be back next year. But I thought their run might slip this year. And I really had Baltimore and um, uh, the Bills. Bills. Who did I say? Yeah. I forgot the other one. Uh, the Bills in the, in the, playing in the finals. Baltimore's been like this all year. You know, like I saw a stat said that uh, they've led every game to the fourth quarter. Going into the fourth quarter, they've been leading every game. And then they, and then they find a way to either getting disinterested uh, or what have you. Uh, but they got to find a way to close games. They've got everything it takes. They've given him all kinds of – although some of them haven't worked out, um, uh, you know, and I'm not a big fan of uh, uh, Odell. Remember that from <laughs> but, last year. <laughs> not a big fan. And uh, – yeah, and so and you know, and he's he's doing just pretty much what I thought. <laughs> Nothing, but <laughs> hurt a lot. But uh, but no, and I, I love I love how Lamar has uh, uh, matured as a quarterback. Okay, he's standing back there. You've got to you know give him that respect as a runner, but he's using that to his advantage of being able to take his time and find receivers downfield, open receivers, and they're giving him multiple weapons to work with. The run game looks good. This young kid, Mitchell, at the running back, oh, man, I like him a lot. I like how he runs. Uh, he runs hard. He runs with a purpose. Uh, versus uh, Sandy, the, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, okay? Uh, that coach, man, I'm sorry. They've got way, way, way too much talent. Uh, and I, this, this this happens to them on a weekly basis as far as I can tell. They're in the game. They look like the better team. But they just fall apart, man. I, he makes decisions that just has me shaking my head. I'm like, what are you talking? What are you doing, dude? But uh, uh, so I'm really disappointed in the Chargers as a team, even though there's a dot, you know, everybody's a sweetheart, especially with Justin Herbert, the quarterback. Kid's got all the skills and what have that you want in a quarterback. He's got everything you look for, but it's just not materializing on the uh, on the field. Uh, I know he's a you know state the coach as a defensive coach. And maybe that's part of the problem. He needs to get some, you know, somebody. Uh, and he brought in a new offensive coordinator this yeah. year. When he didn't bring the guy in from Dallas yeah. to be his offensive coordinator. Right, right, right. And so it's just not it's not working out for him. But I still think uh, Baltimore's on a good path. I think I still like the path that they're on. And uh, they're going to be very formal. Mackay, what did you think about, about this game? Because as Mr. Greco was saying, the Chargers, it, it's, it's a, a lot of self-inflicted wounds, shaky coaching. And this is, was a win that they really were supposed to have, but just you know couldn't find find a, find a way to get it. Were they supposed to have it? I mean, at this point, it's just like you just know the Chargers you know, yeah. are gonna do what they do. Mister Greco was saying they're the younger version of the Bills, I guess, because they got the younger players. But they've been doing this, Mister Greco. You know, for nigh on to the entire existence of the AFC West yeah, ever since dating yeah. back to yeah. my era with Philip Rivers. I mean, the last time they were good was. Uh, Right. I, I I certainly can't remember. Not right. in my no. lifetime. Right. Uh, but, um, yeah, LTE yeah, was definitely solid. They had some years. They did the same thing. Yeah. They did the same That's the name I was looking for, Dan Fouts, <laughs> uh, with the quarterback. But just the Chargers, this is just their calling card and just choking away big games. And, you know, was, this one was really of an odd game for me because normally – the way they lose is their defense can't stop a nosebleed. And Justin Herbert tries and does his thing and 
he got no help. It's like it's like was Mahomes' first year when he had the MVP season. Part of the reason he had those gaudy numbers is because the defense could not stop anybody. I mean, anyone remember the 53-50 Rams game yeah. where it was just yeah. points on points on yeah. points on points oh, just wow. because oh, Kansas City defense couldn't do anything. You had Chris Jones, but other than that, it, same thing for the Chargers. But this one, the Ravens, who had blown out the Seahawks, who are a – Wild card team, probably on the NFC side, uh, maybe maybe trailing off. At least that's what they're predicted to be, right? right. Trounce the Lions, who have been everyone's dark horse, right. you know, headed into the year, and they've you know been up and down, and then they come back and then they just lay this kind of stinker against the Chargers. So it was, I mean, they won, but it wasn't overly impressive. I felt like it was a very defensive game, which is what Baltimore is built to do because they definitely have top three, arguably the best defense in the league when they're playing and healthy. Um, but it was odd to me because normally the Chargers are the ones to give up a lot of points. So you would have thought that the, the Ravens would have scored a lot more, but to hold them to 20, then it's the other side is like, well, you have a shot in that game because you've got Justin Herbert and you should be able to score that, but they held, get held to 10. And so it's just, it was one of those almost, it was an odd way to lose, which I guess at this point is just par for the course for the Chargers. They find new ways to lose every week. But it is the last time I was on with you guys, I said, Staley, you know, up to this point, he's a defensive coach and the Chargers can't get it done on defense. So it's just one of those things that's very head scratching. Uh, I've seen moments where I really do think Kellen Moore has helped Justin Herbert stabilize more. Uh, But then you have games like this and it's just like, you're kind of left scratching your head and wondering what happened offensively because you held Lamar to 177 in the air and one TD and I think under 50 rushing. So honestly, Lamar did not have a great game by his standards. Um, So it's one of those kind of Lamar downer games, which means you should usually be able to go out and take it. But the Ravens defense did what they needed to. uh, And then the chargers just pulled another chargers is what it basically boils down to. So um, I'm still not willing to squarely put a, a good amount of the blame on Justin Herbert until Staley gets fired at this point. It's just like, to me, you've got to give him another coach. You've got to give him an offensive-minded coach. There's some blame to go for Herbert for sure, but I need to see him get a different coach. And then if he continues to still struggle, then I think we can have the conversation of Herbert's got all these weapons, but he's just kind of in that Josh Allen category. If he doesn't have the right coach to pair with him, to stabilize him and get the right offense that caters to him, He's just kind of up and down. So that's kind of where I'm at with the Justin Herbert side of things and the conversation. Definitely. Uh, to you, Savon, what did you think about this game overall? And, and just like we've kind of been, been reiterating what the Chargers are not doing mm. on both both sides of the ball and, you know, what keeps holding them back. So I've listened to a lot of people talk about Justin Herbert. And at some point we have to put the spotlight on him. Because you're the field general, despite of the coaching, despite Mm -hmm. there's a lot of quarterbacks who've had terrible head coaches who still go out every single day. I don't think when probably his rookie in sophomore season, I I thought he he had the tangible things to be a uh, starting quarterback and consistently go to the AFC championship or possibly the Super Bowl. Now I'm seeing he's just a normal quarterback. He's I put him in the Purdy situation. I think. I think it was a system type of quarterback, quarterback. that we, we've seen and we highlighted him well, but he's substantially not reaching that level of the pedestal that we put him on. And then we blame everybody else. His head coach, he doesn't have a running game. Eckler is still uh, adjusting to the injury, but he was a he was 2,000-yard rusher yes, back-to-back season, so he has a running game. He has one of the most consistent yeah. wide receivers 
in in um in Allen. So I mean, he has the weapons, and then I have a defense, and I think this was the, the biggest takeaway. And, uh, Derek Ansley, who's the new defensive coordinator, who's familiar uh, with mobile quarterbacks, and he's a product of Nick Saban. So he just became the new defensive coordinator, and I think that's why Lamar Jackson wasn't able to do as much because they were taking the top away. They were stacking the box. You're not going to take the top off with Zay Flowers. He was getting open a bit, but I think that with his defensive uh, scheme, I think it kind of – you know, downs down that running game. But back to Justin Herbert, we have to highlight him and put him in the spotlight. Are you really the top, a top quarterback in the NFL? Do you really need the weapons or a new head coach? Will you get a head coach? Will you still be the same? So yeah. I'm tired of, at this point, I'm tired of giving him the give him uh, pass. Give him a pass. Thank you. He is getting a pass. This is what, fourth, fifth year in the, in the NFL? We didn't. We don't give quarterbacks pass. That's the time. Yeah, that's the yeah. time we really we don't find give. out who you are as a quarterback. Yeah, like Mac Jones. It's either crap or get off the crap, or Mac. Yeah, this time, like Mac Jones is another one. We have to highlight. Are you real? We didn't know he. Okay, he wasn't a, a great quarterback coming out of Bama. Yeah, we, we didn't but he's a time. Ma- he's a time manager. But it's, it's at this talk point. about a talk about a product of a gluttony of riches at Alabama. That was my problem with him coming out. It's yeah. like. Of course he's gonna. Of course he's gonna do put up great numbers with Alabama. He got all yeah. the weapons <laughs> in the world. <laughs> they run four threes, four twos. So obviously you just gotta throw it up. They'll go get it. <laughs> They'll get it. But we have. And then he goes to the Patriots, and then no offensive weapons because Bill Belichick refuses to grow grab anybody that's worth their salt on offense because he's used to Tom Brady throwing to milkmen and postal boys. <laughs> no, this is true. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> This is true. This is true. But we have to. You, you make some. Go ahead. Go ahead, Savon. No, just saying we got to put Justin Herbert under the spotlight now because they're four and seven. You have the weapons. There's no more excuses. It's on you. Moving forward, it's on you. Moving forward, you have to figure it out. Are you a great quarterback or are you a mediocre quarterback? I really think it's a balance because we've seen him be great. I mean, he was great his rookie year when he put out all those gaudy numbers. So we know he can be great. It's just I think we're in that category of he is he seems to be an up and down quarterback until uh, I think that's where I would meet you in the middle. Savon is I I think I can agree he's up and down. We do have to put some more culpability on him. I just his Brandon Staley just makes so many bad decisions. That's kind of what we were talking about with that Bills game, except that it's the whole year. So I, I think it's kind of a both and like he's got it. You're right. If this game, this one is definitely on him. And that's why I said it was a head scratcher. Cause usually he plays well enough to win. And then it's the defense absolutely like chokes it away because they can't stop anything. This game in particular, I'm, I'm on board with you on putting him under the spot. Like, like bro, you have to come up with more than seven points on offense, set yeah. 10 points on offense. Mm-hmm. So he had the two, uh, the interception and then the touchdown. Uh, but other than that, it's just you got to do better than that. Yeah, in that game, definitely. Um, and now getting to the Broncos and Rams. Uh, they really won their last game against the, the Browns, twenty-nine to twelve, and are they're on a five-game winning streak, which is, a, I mean, a drastic change from, from from where they were at the beginning of the season. The Rams beat the Cardinals thirty-seven to fourteen and are on a two-game winning streak. And it's interesting because Denver they had the more drastic change, but the Rams they have been competitive throughout the season. I don't think a lot of people were expecting that. To you, Mr. Greco, like which team has been more surprising in terms of their recent run and and you know who could possibly you know get in the postseason? Well, right now, as far as who might get into the possible who might get into the playoffs, I'm probably leaning toward Denver as, as getting into the playoffs. Um, the Rams 
you know, part of their problem this year was losing out on Matt Stafford. He means a lot to them. They had a very, very young squad. Uh, the majority of their, their makeup since that Super Bowl now are young players, first, second, you know, maybe some third-year players. And they don't really know how to win, okay? Uh, the, the, you know, of course, they leaned on the wide receiver. He's been out all year, uh, Cooper Cup. He's been gone mostly. They found a, they found a sleeper in a young man, but he's a rookie. And, you know, once they got some film on him, they knew what to do with him. And then when they couldn't completely stop him, they just put him out. He's hurt now, <laughs> you know, and uh, and what have you. So they, they're, they're still learning how to win. Um, I just don't see as many spots available in the NFC side of things for the Rams because, um, you know, I mean, those first, you know, you're going to get one of them poor teams out of that NF, NF, uh, NFC South, you know, Atlanta, Tampa, whatever, they're going to be in there. You know, Philly, San Francisco, Detroit, Dallas, they're locked solid, okay? Uh, they got a shot with this with this Minnesota, but I I don't know. <laughs> you know, I just I don't see Minnesota staying up there. Uh, Denver, on the other hand, I know that everybody wants to give credit to uh, to the uh, the head coach, and he yes, he did come in and make a difference and what have you, okay? And I, I'll, I'll give him credit for that. Um, however, I think Russell Wilson, I think the kid, the, the other guys now are kind of buying into Russell Williams. Uh, Russell Wilson. I think when he first got there last year, he had this persona about him, pretty boy. You know, he's got the the, the, the rapper wife and, and uh, you know, he's got all, you know, all this kind of stuff. He's got his own, what does it say? He's got his own office in the locker room and things of that nature. You know, I think a lot of guys, it was like, whoa, who is this dude? So I give Sean Payton credit. He got, he got, he got rid of all that and got Russell Wilson back focused on football. Okay. And with that in mind, Russell Wilson has them believing we can get in the playoffs. And he's got enough – there's enough uh, weapons in there, uh, especially they've got a good enough yeah. defense, even though it does slip up, to get into that playoff run. Uh, I'm looking at their opportunities to get in there, even though they, they're in more of a dogfight. I think with Pittsburgh and Cleveland, I, I, I see them them slipping. I know I just don't see Indianapolis staying there. It, you know, they're 6-5, and five, and the Minshew's done a great job. But uh, you got Taylor out now, so that's going to really hurt them. So I see the opportunity for Denver to get in there, even though they still have to battle with Houston. I can't give up on Buffalo totally, but uh, I'm giving up on Buffalo, <laughs> you know. But uh, so I think Denver has a better opportunity to get into the playoffs and make some noise than I do the Rams. I just think that uh, with St- you know Stafford's finally getting back in there and he's trying to lead them. But I, I just I think it's a little going to be too little too late. Um, to, to you, Micaiah, are, are you kind of the same way leaning towards like Denver having that that better shot of making the playoffs? <sighs> this hurts me as a Chiefs fan. <laughs> but yeah, I think I've I've leaned Denver. Although um, you look at their schedules. Excuse me, just for a sec. <clears throat> you look at their schedules. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and at first, I thought that. Um, the Broncos had the easier one. It was just going to be an uphill battle because they're in the FC, but you actually look at it. I think they've probably got the tougher one. They've got Texans, Chargers, Lions, Patriots, and then Chargers again. So I know we just dumped on the Chargers, but the Chargers divisional matchup, you never know how that's going to go. The Texans are red hot. So that's going to be a battle for them there. Um, Lions are good on their side and they have to go to Detroit, uh, Minute, um, excuse me, Detroit plays well in their building yeah. uh, when they're in um, in that stadium. Whereas you look at the Rams, uh, they host the Browns this week and then go to the Ravens, which is going to be a tough game. 
But then they have the Commanders, the Saints, and then close out the year with the Giants. So those are three really winnable games. Um, <coughs> sorry, guys. Oh, man, I don't know what's caught in my throat. Um, don't forget, don't forget about Sam. Okay, yeah, it, it was sorry, it was just out of my picture. So yeah, so that's gonna be that's gonna be a tough one too. Um, but you look at the standings for the NFC, and it's just a clog show in the middle. Like after um, after you have the Dallas, who I think sitting at eight and three, right? Eight and three, seven and four, something like that. They all drop right. then down to like six and six, five and exactly. six, and they're all clogged in there. You've got Savon's Packers that are looming right outside in the hunt. Um, the then they're on the up and coming. You've got Minnesota clinging on for dear life, uh, and then Seattle, who's been on the downfall. So I mean, yeah. I kind of see the NFC as like it's kind of wide open for those last two playoff spots, whereas. Um, I think the Broncos have benefited from the teams that we thought were going to be good ended up kind of choking it away. So you have the Bills, um, the Bengals, who unfortunately lost Joe Burrow, teams that would have been in the conversation for those other two playoff spots. But now you've had those essentially open up because those two top dog teams that we thought at the beginning of the year were going to be right there uh, have ended up fading away. And so essentially the wild card spots for the AFC are kind of wide open, all three of them. So uh, all that said, the reason that I'm going to go the Broncos is because their defense has just been figuring it out. Uh, that's a lot more impressive. Um, with the quarterback situation, you know, Russ has seemed to be improving and shaping up. So they have the better quarterback there. And then undoubtedly, like the I shouldn't say undoubtedly. I was about to say Sean Payton, uh, but I mean, forget Sean McVay's on the other side. So the the head coach is kind of a toss up uh, of what your flavor is, depending on you know you like the young guy with the innovative system, or you like the dude who's essentially been the same story, just been doing it for longer. So the coaching kind of a question. But the reason I got to lean Broncos and it hurts me as much as a Chiefs fan is they've just they seem to have really turned the corner from where they were at at the beginning of the year. I mean, think about it, guys. They were dead last yes. in defense. Dead last, and now they look like they're top ten defense. I mean, I think I looked at the stat since their winning streak. Yes. Uh, they are. You don't think top, top ten, Savon? I mean, I think I saw a stat where they've only given up a combined uh, twelve points. I think like averaging over their six game winning streak. So I mean, maybe that is more of a testament to who they played, and that's a, certainly uh, a possibility of more who they played. So I guess we'll see. Uh, but right now, I'm going to give it to the Broncos, I think, uh, of the better chance for the similar reasons that Mr. Greco said. The the teams above them in the wild card, I think, are on shaky ground as well. Uh, I think Pittsburgh will hang on just because of how good Pittsburgh's defense is. Um, and they'll start continuing to figure out. I think the Colts will start to fade away. So I'm looking for that wild card spot being either Browns, Pittsburgh, Texans, and then Broncos, kind of in that conversation of those four. And that's kind of where I see it boiling down to. So out of all those squads, I think that Broncos have a good enough one of sneaking in the playoffs there. Yeah. Uh, that defense come a long way since giving up seven. <laughs> what an embarrassment. I saw that game. That's, what an embarrassment, man. <laughs> I, down I saw that. that score and I was like, "Is that was that a was that a basketball score that somehow got glitched into the NFL?" That's what I thought when I first saw it. Um, for you, Savon, uh, would you would you are you going to make it a unanimous pick, Denver, or are you going to switch it up? Which one? Which one are you going to go with? Oh, lost his mic. I think you're on mute. Mute. 
I'm gonna. I'm gonna. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> I'm gonna rewind. Let that. Let that. I know what you said because I'm good at reading lips. So I think you mean he's gonna change it up. But back it up. It Let up. the people hear it. <laughs> I'm gonna change it up. I'm gonna give you the entirety of the stats. The defense was playing great, but they give up too many yards when it matters the most. Defense and rushing, they're last in the NFL. They give up 155 yards rushing. They're 23rd in the NFL. They give up almost 300 yards passing. And overall, they're 30th in the NFL. 30th in the NFL. And we just said they had the, the different, uh, a stronger schedule. So you're going against a hot, a hot Houston, Texas team who averages 100-something yards a game. And we have this, this rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud, is playing out his mind. And they're not going to be able to stop this high-power offense. I understand they're playing good. I think in a situation, you, you, you're you playing against a Cleveland team who lost their starting quarterback, lost their starting running back, lost their identity on offense, and then you beat them. Okay, cool. You beat Minnesota. Same thing. They were hot fire until their starting quarterback, Kirk Cousins, went down. And then that's their whole identity on offense because he was a top-five quarterback in the NFL before he got hurt. Then you beat uh, on a we-don't-know Buffalo Bills team. And then the team that I do think they beat Kansas City, that was the turning point. I was like, okay, possibly. And then now the back end, you're getting to a tough schedule who the Lions love to run the football. Yes, you are. Can, uh, Houston loves to run the football. And we all know it's so simple. Run the ball, play action, take it over the top. And I think that's in the early of the season, that's what the Broncos struggle with. And they haven't came into a squad who's running the ball officially enough and they're about to on the back end. So I just, I'm not convinced. If you're number 30 in the NFL, and I know you had a, t- a span of five games, you're playing really well, but there's still a, there's still a back, back nine. If, it, if y'all played golf before, there's 18 holes. First nine holes, you could go crazy. And then you wake up the next day and I don't know what's going on. I lost three balls <laughs> in my hat in the in the light. So I'm not convinced because Russell Wilson is still not putting up big numbers. If he was still Russell Wilson from Seahawks, taking it over top, extending plays consistently, then I'll be convinced. But last game he had 160 yards with a touchdown. And they played a battered Browns team. So I'm not convinced. When they play the Lions, they're going to get crushed. When they play Houston this week, they're going to get crushed. And then everybody's going to say, oh, no. So. And Savon's corner is going to be right. Savon's corner. Savon's corner. Sponsored by Willis and Burns. To, to his point, to his point, they have been living off, their defense has been living off turnovers, and that's why they've looked better during this five-game winning streak. Um, I don't know about the 30th because I think that unless you're looking at it and it's over their winning streak, I, that's going to take into account their first absolute dog water game. So I don't know yeah. if we can see that as it, it was it taken over the whole year. Yeah. Whole well, year. Then, then that's going to reflect poorly on them because of our absolutely atrocious historic. I mean, they were on a historic pace for being the worst defense, those first terrible games. So, I mean, I think we got to look numbers. at when the defense is no, they were still giving up big numbers within those games. They just found a way to win off turnovers. And if we're convinced, that's yeah, defense wins championships not this not in this millennium because we've seen a lot of defenses non-existent and it's going back and forth with the offense. I'm not convinced with Russell Wilson. I used to be when he first came over. I'm still not. If Russell Wilson not averaging 200 yards passing or at least 50, 60 yards rushing, 
Dennis Nakovich, he's not going to be able to withstand in the long run. I know the question is who gets to the playoffs, but they're about to get into a, a season of five, six games right. where Max Crosby's at the end of it. That offensive line is not going to be able to stop him. Even right. Vegas is playing, offense is playing crazy, but that defense is still top 15, top 20. So they're, they're going to get some good defenses. If this comes into a shootout, then Russell Wilson's not going to keep up. That running game is not, not going to keep up. Not the same guy. Well, I would agree. I can, I can, I can see what you're saying, but the Rams, though, you know, like I say, I like comparing the they don't have Rams a quarterback. That's my thing with the Rams. Denver. They don't have anybody. The schedule is why I like Rams. Yeah, that's definitely your the winning point is the strength of schedule okay. for yeah. sure. But the only thing that I push back with the Broncos is yeah. – I, you got to balance out with a blend don't break kind of defense. I mean, again, I to your point, the reason I'm agreeing with you is turnovers can be a fickle thing. So if that goes away, then things start to turn around. But we do also have to remember, you know, that there have been some historic defenses in the NFL's history that are very much in the bend, don't break. They'll let you get into the red zone, and then you're not moving once you get into the red zone. I think that's kind of where the Broncos are, but it's hard to tell because of how many turnovers they have been getting. And as relating to the Browns – I'm still with you in that. I'm not convinced, but that let's not forget that the Browns are a legit defense, so they make anybody look bad on offense. So, especially if you're more middle of the road, uncertain question mark of a quarterback than what you've been. So, I'd be a little hesitant about just taking the Browns and chalking up Russell as you know he's still not figured it out. Again, I'm not saying that he has, but that's a really good Browns defense, especially yeah, defensive yeah, line. Yeah, 34 for one touchdown. In that game, by the way. That's just, but, to me, but, that speaks more to how good Cleveland is on defense but, 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 than to how terrible Russell is on offense. Because you look at his games before that, too. But, but where where did Denver get that running game? They, they let the where younger guys get that running game against Cleveland. Run. I, mean, I mean, they chewed up Cleveland on the ground. Was a part of that running game. He had 34 yards. When I say when he contributes, Consistently, yeah. Yeah. With the run game and mm-hmm. pass game. Then I'm convinced, but he's not doing that every single game. And he's going to get in the yeah. late schedule. Of that's guys that's valid. Who that's valid. After him, yeah. So that's Good what I'm trying sure. to say. I'm that's not convinced. Point. Good Even point. If LA doesn't have a quarterback. They can find a way to squeak out a win because their defense, I think, is still decent enough to get after the football and create what you said, fickle, which is turnovers. It is fickle mm-hmm. in the NFL. One week you're you're going crazy, next week you're not. But I don't know. I just I'm not convinced that they can make it to the playoffs. I think the Rams can squeak in there, even though they're in a tough, you know, tough standing in the division. But they got some other yeah. guys like Seahawks. So yeah. <laughs> that's that's yeah. definitely where I agree with you. Is the yeah. NFC is yeah. much more wide open in terms yeah. of like yeah. what their level of competition is because you've got all these you've got all these middling teams vying for those last two spots, whereas the AFC is kind of more they they're more established right. at the top end. Uh, I, and I don't think it'd be a question that they'd miss it if the Bills and the Bengals were actually in it this year, because then you're only talking about <laughs> one playoff spot that's open in the AFC, and which is why we thought it was going to be so brutal with the AFC this year, is because right. if those teams were what they were supposed to be, add on. I know the last episode right. I was on. I don't know if the Jets had been what they were supposed to be. <laughs> AFC would have been crazy. They they've dug themselves too. No, they dug themselves in too deep a hole, man. It's too deep a hole. No, man. I saw somebody say he's going to make history. He's going to be the, the only quarterback to get hurt twice in the same injury the same year. Please don't. 
Please don't do that. No, don't do that to me, Aaron Rodgers. No, no. Back it up till next season. Back it up till next season. I don't see his point. Just wait. Um, I agree with that. Our Eagles 49ers preview. I'm um, in this matchup that the 49ers on a three game winning streak. The Eagles have the best record in the league. San Francisco has a, has a great pass rush that can generate pressure, and Philadelphia is first in the NFL in fourth down conversion rate. And it's interesting because even this game is at Philadelphia. The 49ers are actually favored by three, which has a lot of people, you know, the Eagles in there like, okay, like let's prove everybody wrong. Nobody respects us. Um, and, and I feel as though this is going to be a really like neck and neck type of matchup. Um, I'm giving. I'm gonna give San Francisco the edge. I think. I think. I think Philadelphia is. They've been like close to the brink with a lot of these games, like about to win it. You know, about to lose it. I'm going on a limb. I'm picking San Francisco for this game. I got San Francisco. Mr. Draco, who you got? Who you got, Mr. Draco? <laughs> in this particular, in this game, at this time of the season, yeah. I, I am favoring San Francisco. Right, at this cool. game, if, this, if it was a playoff game, I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. As, I'd be a whole lot more hesitant. Uh, yeah. San Francisco's got more to prove. Okay, that they're on. They're, they're coming out. This Purdy, they're trying to get him back comfortable again. I mean, we all know they got all the weapons. Uh, my problem with, of course, my problem with with uh, uh, with San Francisco is what everybody likes yeah, about him, and that's uh, Shanahan <laughs> because he was, yeah, because I was a Falcons. <laughs> I was twenty eight to three. I'm. I was a fan of a team that was 28 to three with six minutes to go. <laughs> and he was the offensive coordinator and blew, who does that? <laughs> I get bad just sitting there talking about, but <laughs> so, I can't forgive him for that, man. I cannot do that. But I mean, he obviously he's a good coach. He knows what he's doing. Uh, he's got the weapons. Uh, they, they, people are not, uh, I think they're sleeping on that fact that, that defense has added a couple of other guys. They, uh, they, they brought the kid from Ohio state young in, and uh, they picked up somebody else here just recently. So they're picking up place, pieces, and, uh, and I, they're on a roll right now. And uh, I, I, was still think, I still favor Philly to be in the Super Bowl over them if they were to play in the playoffs. But at this point in the season, at this week, I, you know, I would I would favor San Francisco. I really think they got more to play for than uh, Philly does. To, to you, Makai, what do you think about this game, like some of the – the matchups that stand out. You're shaking your head. I know you disagree. Go ahead, go ahead and say what you think. <laughs> this is a coin. No, I'm shaking my head because this is going to be an unreal game, I feel like, because it's just a coin flip for me. I mean, my only pushback is if you think that Philly is going to be favoring the playoffs, why would Philly then not win this one? I understand they've been shaky, but the shakiness carries into the playoffs. I mean, it doesn't change. They can, they can get the one seed even if they lose this game. Mm. They can get the one seed even if I they lose. So you're saying that essentially fans for this right. will win this because the Philly, Philly will be complacent this game. I think so. That's what that's what you're thinking. Yeah. Okay. I, I can, can kind of see that. But this is going up that. against a top flight rival on their side. Okay. This is this is their chief rival. Let's not forget that. This is this is their alpha predator for them. That that this is the one that they are compared to of the nip and tuck on the NFC side. Next next, next, next week is their game, isn't it? Nah, da- Dallas is Dallas. I, I don't care if it's divisional. Dallas is the little brother at this I, point. I, Dallas I, is the little brother. Dallas will do what they did in Philly. The only reason I'll say that it'll probably be a little bit closer of a game and tighter uh, is because it'll be in Dallas this time. But Dallas choked to get away the game to Philly. Dallas is the same way with uh, the Chargers, only with winning teams. Dallas beats well, up on the crappy teams and then 
absolutely wets the bed when it comes to actual winning teams with Dallas. So I, I, I'm. I, the thing with Dallas is I don't care what they do in the regular season until it play, you show me something in the playoffs. So, so, I mean, if Dallas were to beat the Eagles, whatever at oh, that I point. Agree. But this, to me, 100%. is the rivalry. This is going back to last year. San Francisco and Eagles nip and tuck the whole way until Purdy goes out. This game boils down to Brock Purdy, okay? If Brock Purdy plays well, plays excellently, 49ers are going to win because the 49ers do have the defense to where they're going to be able to give Jalen Hurts and that offense problems. And they have the weapons that can go toe to toe and it really expose the Eagles defense. Because I think if everyone who's honest about it and has watched that ferocious front seven for the Eagles, but that back seven or that, that back end with a secondary, eh, not so great. They can be had if you can beat the pass rush. So that's going to be where they can have it. The question is, can Brock make the right throws can Brock play well and not repeat what happened when they went on that three-game losing streak? The other thing is the 49ers, and this is to Mr. Greco's point, Shanahan's a front runner. okay? If they get up, they're going to be feeling good, and they're going to be in a good position because that's what the 49ers thrive on is being ahead and really being able to play their style and not have to worry about Brock doing anything extra special to win them the game because they're in control, they're playing comfortable. If that is not the case, Brock is going to have to make some things happen. And I think when we saw them on the three-game losing streak, he was he didn't make those plays, at least in those three games. That's not to say that he can't go out and make those plays. So it just boils down to how well Brock plays for me. If I've got a pick, uh, I mean, I was, I was leaning San Francisco as soon as you guys – but then when you guys were both picking San Francisco, I was like – uh, this is exactly when the Eagles thrive is when everyone picks everybody else. They feed into the underdog mentality and then they find a way to win, even though they quote unquote, haven't played a complete game yet. They still find a way to win these games. So, uh, I forget it. I'm going Eagles on this one. I'm going with Jalen hurts. I'm picking the, the better quarterback in my opinion, the more clutch quarterback. I just, I get what everyone's saying with the complete game. They've looked shaky, but despite all that, they've still found a way to win. Okay. So that's just what it boils down to. So it, it's not, you can't call it luck in the NFL when they keep repeatedly week after week, after week, after oh, week, no, no, despite no, looking no, shaky, no. they find a way to win. That's, that's just a winning mentality and a solid team. So I will not be yeah. shocked if San Francisco wins this game, but I'm going to pick Philly. Yeah. If it was the playoffs, I'd have Philly all day long. Uh, to, to you, Savon, uh, <laughs> what, what kind of stands out to you in this matchup, and, and what do you think is going to be like the, the, key X, the key X factor? What are we even talking <laughs> about here? Are y'all really going against the Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah. Preach, Savon. Preach. Just one game. Preach. Just one game. And every moment, every big – just think of their schedule they have played. They're 10-1. and one. It's they brutal. They, played, they have played right. four of the best teams yeah. in the entire NFL, and they found a way to win them all. And they just beat prior to – And I agree with all that. The Chiefs. You think I agree. Chiefs, Chiefs gave that game away, but yeah, they found a way to win. They found a way to win. They found a way to win. All right, Chiefs fans. You gave that away. Two red zone turnovers. Two red zone turnovers that were unforced. Unforced. Nothing the 49ers can do to stop this offense. Ooh. There's nothing this 49ers defense can do to stop this offense. 
even in the playoffs last year when they left, Purdy got hurt. This is still similar to the same defense from last year. There's nothing has changed. And the Eagles had a field day. Better. Are we seriously sitting here and talking about the 49ers going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles when they have this? Okay, but they had a field day. I got to push back a little there. They had a field day because the 49ers couldn't do anything on offense because they had a wide receiver at quarterback. You just said, no, you just said. They were close when Purdy was No, you just said defenses, historically, even with terrible offense, think of the, the Ravens. Flacco didn't start playing real football until the playoffs. Flacco was terrible throughout the regular season. That defense, without Ray Lewis, stepped up in big moments. So defense wins championship. That's staple for a reason. They have the similar same defense. 49ers was not good enough to stop that offense. Quarterback or no quarterback. They're on a third string quarterback in the playoffs at that point, though. That's not, that's apples to oranges. Joe Flacco was a still a starting NFL quarterback. Joe Flacco Purdy is, to me is better than Joe Flacco after that Super Bowl series. After that, where was Joe Flacco? What did Joe Flacco do? Prior well, I agree, but Purdy, that? but you're you're saying last year's what? game in the playoffs, Purdy I'm got saying, knocked out of that game, so they didn't have it Purdy. Doesn't matter what quarterback was there; their defense was still healthy. Their defense was still top five, and they went against another good offense and got mollywopped. Is what I'm saying. Their defense is same defense from last year, and they could not do anything with them. I'm and saying, better. and even if they had the Philadelphia Eagles, still haven't played a complete football game, and they're ten and one. If they play a, a complete football game against the 49ers, right. they're not going to stop them. They have two running backs over 500 yards rushing Gainwell uh, and, and DeAndre Swift. Their top wide receiver still hasn't came to their own. Yeah. Bro, they're not stopping this offense. Bosa has not been nothing since week two, week one and week two. They had to go get another defensive lineman from, from the Commodores. I'm sorry, Commanders. <laughs> to even try to get a rush. This defense is not the same. Their rush, their MO was get to the quarterback. They have not got to the quarterback consistently since week one and two. Nick Bosa is non-existent. Fred Warner has looked like a normal linebacker this year. Even with them not playing a complete football game, the Eagles are going to kill the 49ers. They can't do anything. So you think this is a blowout? Not a blowout, but they're going to kill. They're, they're going to manhandle them like they did in the last playoff. Is going to be shown. No, no. Well, I totally, I would, I would totally agree with you in it's the playoffs. No I just think it bits me in a regular season game. I think Philly's no different. I oh yes, big difference, big difference. Money's on the table, Money's on the table in the playoffs. You think? You know? You think? Now, playoffs. I don't think San Francisco got a chance. Niners, they're not going to, bro. This is this is the Philadelphia Eagles we're talking about. You think they're going to take a game off? That's insane to me. You, yes, sir. They, they low manage they, this basketball. This NBA now, they're not going to play their starters. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not getting what you guys are thinking. Like, oh, this is the 49ers, bro. They have 49ers this week, then Dallas, and they, bro, they're not going to give. They're not going to, bro. They want to go. They're hungry. I they're see gonna go sixteen one. So they're going to go sixteen and one. They're yes, and one. No, yes, not. and they're going to win the Super Bowl. Save on. Save on. They're not going. Bro, they lost to the Jets. They lost to the Jets. Come on, that's not happening. every squirrel find is nut. Then after that, what happened? <laughs> They've been on a winning streak. They're going to they're they're drop at least another one. They'll drop another one. 
they're gonna they're gonna beat San Francisco. They're gonna beat Dallas. They're gonna beat Seahawks, yeah. and then they have New York Giants, Arizona, and New York Giants yep. again. You think they're not gonna go to sixteen and one? Here's the you, you. I think well, the one reason they're gonna drop another one is they're gonna lose to the 49ers of the Cowboys. They're losing one of those <laughs> games. So. One of the two. Uh, here's the other reason they won't go. They won't go 16-1 is because if they go as as undefeated as you said, they'll rest the people the last two weeks and they'll just give up those games. You think they can't beat the New York Giants if they don't start their starting quarterback? Or no, they can't because second stringers can't beat first stringers. Second stringers don't beat first stringers. Bro, the Giants that. have <laughs> a third string quarterback. The it, it, it won't matter because the rest of their players. Yeah. I'm saying the next two. So the, how about the Cardinals then? They will. I'm telling you, if they do what you said, as going up against second stringers, <laughs> no. second stringers. I'm, I'm, ta- I'm, I'm telling saying, you. I'm just saying. I if they really maybe losing one more. Arizona's depth chart. I'm. I am saying that the Eagles, if they do what you're saying, they will rest their star players. They will have zero star players playing on offense or defense. It will be all second stringers going up against the regular starters for them. Well, if that's what, then they're dumb and for not resting their starters. There's no NFL team, even when they're that up. I remember when the Patriots were 15 and one. I remember when Green Bay was 15 and one, and we lost to the Giants. But Aaron Rodgers still played. He didn't play the full game. Our starting running back, James Starr, still played. They didn't play the whole game, but they played. There, this is the NFL. They don't rest players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm feeling you now. I, now I don't disagree with what you're saying. I just think they're going to lose a game. Hey, and I think this might be the week is. But I clearly think they're the, we, I, the upper crust. In Eagles, we trust. In the Eagles, we trust. <laughs> I started out on the Eagles and I got pushed to the 49ers side somehow. I don't know how that yeah, happened. But... You was explaining like you were going to go to the Eagles. Well, no, said... because you you took it to the extreme of they don't even belong in the same category. I'm not going that far. I, I will not go that far. I not say they didn't belong. I'm saying the defense <laughs> is the same defense from last year. Even worse to me. Because they're rushing attack on defense. Their passing attack, well, pass rushing attack was their MO on defense. And them not giving up big plays. They gave up a lot of big plays this year, and they're not getting to the quarterback. That's I and I get if you want to say that, but my my pushback then would be you your exact words were they're going to kill them unless you meant the Phillies offense. So then what is the 49ers offense going to do to that Phillies defense that can definitely be had? But they're gonna one hundred percent can be had some schemes to Purdy that Purdy has not seen. We've seen when Purdy is under pressure, which they can. We've seen the Eagles pressure a lot of quarters back this year, and he's not a real mobile quarterback. Now, last game with Josh Allen, it was That's different true. because they ran the ball with him. They put a scheme like when he scored on the first rushing touchdown, it was a quarterback draw up the middle. They're not going to do that with Purdy. They might put Christian McCaffrey. Is the play calling is different? So now you're going to be one-dimensional. Yeah, you have multiple weapons, but we're not as scared of your quarterback running the ball. Now we can go get them, and they're going to be behind the distance. They're not going to be running the ball on the Eagles like that. They're going to be 38, 39, and guess what? We got to go get the quarterback, and that's what the Eagles do. And the other thing, yeah, and the other thing, Phillies, that other boy from Georgia, that defensive tackle, the rookie, He's now getting ready to start starting, and they got both them Georgia defensive tackles there. That means they can that, – that shuts down the that, run. 
So that, that's going to allow the others to get into it. So that's the, why I said playoff The reason time, I'm going to push against I, that is because be you're right about the though. run, but they can do the short yard swing stuff with McCaffrey that is going to supplement the run. That's the benefit of having McCaffrey on your team, along with a healthy Debo now and Ayuk and Kittle. There's just too many weapons on that offense. Even if they stop the run, they're going to kill him in the passing you know game. Why? Their best offensive lineman, Trent Williams, is still not there. They've been that, that's the one thing I will They've give you. That is the one thing that will kill them if they get killed. That will be the one thing that limits them. It's going to be interesting. If, if, if the backup can't hold up at all, then you're going to absolutely be right because it won't matter how many weapons you have if he can't have a little bit of time. And the flip side of that is that, you know, even though I say I think San Francisco might upset them, the flip side of that is how San Francisco going to stop A.J. Brown and Smith. And uh, that tight end, okay, and Julio's – they even got Julio. Brought a <laughs> flashback. <laughs> they haven't played a complete game yet, and they're winning ball games. I'm just, I can't go against that. I can't go against Yeah. I think – I think they're saving it for the playoffs. I think they're going to come blasting in the playoffs. <laughs> good one, y'all. That's a good one. Wellington, you are a dirty, dirty dog for this. Hey, Vaughn, I'm sorry, man. I've been trying to be chill with that, and this man is trying to rig it against us, man. I don't know. I don't know. We, we, we up and down, man. When we beat the Lions, I was extremely surprised. I'm not going to hold you. Um, if we get the same love and the same offense and creating turnovers, like my guy said, it's fickle, then we might have a chance. I'm still not convinced Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers are up for the task in the big moments. And we've seen that several times. So I think we got a chance. I think we got a chance. You, you, got, chance. you might have a chance, but it's because it's in Lambeau, not the receivers. So Rasheed Rice has turned the corner. So uh, we've lost in Lambeau before. <laughs> that's that's the key. I, 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 that's, yeah, and and key. anyways, we watch the Chiefs. I I have not been able to figure out why you're again. I know he was the second round, early second round though. So I mean. He's he's been good, but I just have never I've not understood why Rasheed Rice has not been getting more snaps, uh, and so he's starting starting to get the snaps that he deserves. So I think it's going to be uh, a lot better. Um, I think Kelsey's going to come up big. I think in this game, uh, we'll see. I, I think the Chiefs' defense is going to give Jordan Love a little bit different looks than what the Lions did. Yeah. Uh, the Lion the Lions just I, that game was crazy. Like the Lions supposed to have a good defense. Uh, at least a decent one, and then they just – i that was a whack game. Credit to Jordan Love for playing great. So uh, it was a weird game. I just think that the Chiefs' defense is going to be a little bit more mature than what we saw from the Lions and throw a little bit different looks at him. Uh, I think we've got a better – I know Hutchinson's great, but I think we have a more complete pass rush across the defensive line with the Chiefs. Yeah. And then I think we still have the better secondary. Sneed and McDuffie are playing like the best two corners in the league right now. Like, I, I don't I don't know if you guys agree or disagree with that. No. But, like, they, they shut you – like, you were talking about A.J. Brown. Against the against the Chiefs, A.J. Brown did nothing. Yeah. One catch, oh. I think, for seven yeah. yards. Yeah, 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 yeah. did nothing I, against Trent McDuffie. I was like, their defense no. is better than I thought nothing. the Chiefs defense was. Nothing. I was like – Because you said at the beginning of the year – Well, yeah. you know, This Kansas man said City. at the beginning of the year, he said our defense was dog doo-doo, and right yeah. now the defense has been carrying us yeah, no, several real. games. The defense is the reason that, that we won. I said, said that. that. Well, it's a, I said that. I said that. Their defense is better than I thought it was. On air. Well, you know – 
a lot of people now are trying to jump on the, you know, are trying to uh, slight Kansas City. But I, I'm still say this: if dude doesn't drop that pass, yeah, despite all their imperfections, this, that, and the other, he doesn't drop that pass. That's you know, Kansas City still beats him. It's part of the Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Again, I know we're talking Chiefs Packers. That was a complete team loss against the Eagles. If we're backtracking to that, Mahomes threw an atrocious unforced, uncharacteristic pick in the end zone. That's on him, okay? Kelsey lifts the ball. Kelsey has a patented one turnover a game all year in crucial big games. That was it against the Eagles, okay? Again, I know I said unforced earlier. That was forced because the defense didn't make a good play. But Kelsey, not usually fumbling that. Usually he's got that ball locked up. And then, like Mr. Greco said, several key drops. I mean, even on the 4th and 25, he hits – he hits Justin Watson right here again on fourth and twenty-five, and he draw. It's just like it gave me flashbacks to the Tampa game when Mahomes was running for his life in the Super Bowl, and he was still dotting them up. And it's just the receivers had bricks for hands. So it's one of those things where that was a complete team loss. Credit to the Eagles for doing what they needed to yeah. do, but the Chiefs just absolutely at the bet on that game on offense. So. Yeah, because the defense defense completely did what they needed to do. You hold the Eagles to twenty-one points. On offense, you should go out and win that game if you're a top-flight contender. So, Absolutely. And, and now getting into a topic, Mr. Greco yep. does not want to talk about Michigan-Ohio State because he's the biggest Ohio State fan. <laughs> <laughs> go Blue! <laughs> ah, go Blue! Go Blue! <laughs> um, <laughs> three years! Three years in a row! Three years in a row. I can take it. This one off, uh, you know, uh, and it's, it's one of those games where obviously, Savon, we've kind of mentioned that you felt as though Michigan is, is the, the the most complete team in yeah. in college football. Um, have a went three for three for three on fourth downs. The big plays they they were able to make them. Uh, to you, Mr. Greco, what did you think about this one for Michigan? Obviously, what Ohio State wasn't able to do. Well, uh, there was three for me. There was three big factors. Okay. Uh, number one. Now, although if you listen to Ohio, uh, the, the word up and from home up in Ohio, they want to get rid of Ryan uh, Day. Right. No, we don't want to get Ryan yeah. Day. Get rid of Ryan Day. He's Crazy. fifty-six and six. Uh, oh, oh, they they're serious. They want him out of there. You, you don't understand losing to Michigan. That will three be times. the greatest overreaction <laughs> in one of the possibly the history of college sports. If you fire a coach who's fifty-six and six just because and, 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 you're panicking that you've lost your chief rival after years of dominating them, three years. You're basically gonna fire the coach because of three years and three yeah, games. Exactly. You want to fire him? Who do you yeah. gotta get? That's crazy. And they would do it. And they will do it. They're, Guaranteed he's one on the of those other big there. teams will I, go out and pick him up. Uh, Texas A&M will be like, yes, yes, please, please. Oh, yeah. oh, there, was talk, there was talk he might go there. But the biggest thing with Ryan Day, because of those previous two losses, he was that, planning not to That's big facts. Plan not to lose. Okay? That was the biggest problem. He worked all year to put together this package. Okay, we've got weapons all over the place. Yes, we have a shaky quarterback. He was young; he was a first-year quarterback. Okay, however, you got to you got to dance with the one you brought to the dance. Okay, he's got all these weapons. Get it out of his hands and get it in those folks' hands. The the, the whole the, the, the key series to me was right before halftime. We got the momentum. We scored. We've got the ball back, and he actually is running out the clock. It was 50-some seconds to go, and they're purposely running out the clock 
so he could try a what? A 50? Which in college, field. that might as well be 60. In college, a 50 year. might as well be a 60 for the NFL. Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Why are you doing? What is your strategy behind that? You're on the, you know, I, oh, it just drove me crazy. Why are you not using your weapons? You know, you've got weapons. They don't know. At this point in time, they don't know which way you're going. However, I digress. We had some, we had some poor tackling. We had some very the defensive backs had some very poor tackling. Okay, Ryan Day, uh, like I say, was coaching not to lose. And then, and thirdly, our quarterback picked the day, the week, to show. Uh, just you know, he just he just didn't have it. He was he got nervous. Yeah, he just really got nervous. Um, it, it just it just wasn't a good day. Uh. <laughs> And, I, and, I, and that's all I can really say about it because I'm, yeah, I'm real upset. <laughs> I still think we're the better team. I think Michigan's a very good team. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're definitely a better team. Top to bottom, we're a better team. Top to bottom, we're a better team. <laughs> okay. Michigan's problem, like when they came in against TCU and was was shocked. He didn't want the smoke, so he shut it off. Michigan's problem is. You know, say Vaughn and I are about to get it. When they play those big teams, they're not going to have the speed. No, no, no. They, I thought it was amazing that they played that well to be in that game. I mean, because to be fair, like their defense did what they needed to do because, like he said, the quarterback with that pick, that's the difference in the game. <laughs> that was it's a one score game that ended but, uh, up being the difference no, in the game. I, was, I think Michigan's um, a very solid was, squad. Uh, McCord uh, throwing that uh, one pick early in the first half. They're definitely one of the top half. teams and in the so, country. Uh, I think they're going to be the best team. If you got a good pass attack, you're going The reason I will agree with them is Ryan Day played uber conservative and I understand you've got a first year player and you're trying to protect him. You've got to cut it loose against your big rival. There were several times in the game when they were fourth and short and he didn't go for it. And they and they were in plus territory too a couple times. It's it's like you you got to take some gambles. I understand playing conservative, not to lose. There's got to be a couple times where you have to roll the dice to, to try and go get it in fourth and short. Even as good I'm as Michigan's sure, defensive line I'm is, sure they had a game plan that was going to do just such. But when he thought when he he saw his freshman quarterback. There's validity to that. There's validity to that. These and I talked about this uh, several times. These collegiate quarterbacks do not really read defenses. They have pre 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 notion pre pre plan progressions one two. Yes, and what the coach has been telling them. And once he's and he's he's probably among the worst of that of predetermining his read as soon as the ball snap. He pre that's what that interception was. He he knew he was going to Marvin Harrison and he threw there and he miss miss misplaced throw. But also double coverage, and that was the same thing with his second receive uh, interception. The end of the game, he predetermined coach, the throw. If I'm a head coach, I'm I can't put I can't trust him in every big situation. And my defense is playing good enough, so we're still in the ball game. So I'm gonna trust my there, defense to get. There's off validity the field. that. So I think when you have a freshman quarterback who who had two big mistakes going in the first and second quarter, it's gonna be you're gonna be kind of hesitant to go for that. Or do call a play call or something because yeah he was playing conservative but with good choice because then y'all gonna cuss him out because why you put the ball in that freshman quarterback head why you it's it's a lot of things that go I think he did he he coached a a good game it was just at the end of the end of the draw this is a freshman quarterback who threw two interceptions and it was not like he wasn't tossing a thing too he had almost three hundred passing yards. 
and then your best wide receiver, the best wide receiver is collegiate football, had over 100 yards. That's largely due to Marvin Harrison Jr., yeah, that, those 300 yards. I they were going to play him a bit different. They were still playing one over top and man-to-man. You post, you cover two, cover four, even cover six, play the cornerback, play the, uh, play the hash, and have somebody right over top of that. They didn't play him like I thought he, they were going to play him. They gave him more leeway, and it was big-time – routes most of his uh, was um goal routes or like post routes he wasn't doing shallow routes like i thought he was but they played him a bit different i thought the defensive coordinator really didn't play marvin harrison like he should it's a should have been like, it's like tyree kill or any other wide receiver who could take it over the top they didn't do that but i don't think michigan i mean i don't think ohio state is the better team i'm just sorry mr Kirko. i know you just came back into all this i don't Can you think give me that that was, <laughs> 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 back, that was- that, that was strategic, so I didn't have to hear all this abuse. <laughs> I told you. I told I called it. I, I, I see what you're doing. I get it. I get it. <laughs> no, I don't know what I did, actually. But, okay. But, uh, I heard that last statement, and I'm, I'm just no way. No way. I'm totally in denial of that, that they're the better team. <laughs> College football rivalries are the best. (laughs) (laughs) You cannot ever admit that the other guy's better. (laughs) It doesn't let you happen. Not not this year. Not this year. They were not better this year. (laughs) And I've said that. I've been in that big stadium when they were screaming and hollering and throwing stuff at us. (laughs) And it's a mess up there. And now against Alabama's uh, dramatic win versus Auburn. Alabama won 27-24. Jalen Milroy's uh, TD pass to Isaiah Bond on 4th and 31, won the game with 32 seconds left. And they've also won 10 straight since losing to Texas. Goes up in, in that in that pantheon of, like, one of the most dramatic Alabama-Auburn games ever. Uh, to you, Mr. Greco, what did you think about the ending of this game and just, you know, Alabama needing needing this win, obviously, before the SEC championship against Georgia? I have one question. How come that young man at defensive back, <laughs> I'm going to give me the biggest penalty that they've ever given me. They probably kicked me out the game because I'm going to, the ball's in there. I'm going to get a pass interference because in college, they're going to bring it back. Yeah. 15. No, college, college puts it. No, they put it on the goal line now with college. Oh, really? When if it's in the end zone, they put it on the two. If they if it's in the goal line, I'm pretty sure I saw several games in the Ohio State game. If it's pass interference in the end zone, it's on the two yard line now. For college oh, too. Okay, I did not yeah, know that. There's still a better chance to let them catch the. I, I give it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, we didn't know that rule, but that's good. But it still give you a better chance and stop. I would. I'll tell you what they should have done. And when I, it's my turn to go. Yeah, that's go that ahead, was my, Okay, that was I, my. I get question. what you're saying. Yeah, I get what your question. I'm going to give me a pass interference. Yeah, you're going to get the ball back on. They were on the 32. You get 15 yards, but but now you got 30 seconds. I got to try my defense with 30 seconds on the 17. You can't – I'm not letting you – my pride won't let you catch that pass. No. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. I, I'm going to tackle you. <laughs> it's going to be clear-cut pass in the fence. But, no, Auburn, you know, because I actually saw some of the game the week before, and I could not even believe this. New Mexico State, I mean, they oh, just yeah. killed them. That was just like a whole different team. I was, and I only saw the second half of the Alabama game. And I said, oh, my – because I really wasn't expecting anything. And they were playing them. And they just yeah. – uh they, uh, inexperience. Coach had never been there before. Players hadn't been in that type of a game before. And I, I don't think they believed it themselves. 
You know, I just don't really think they had the belief that they could pull that off. Um, yeah, I mean, this dude sat back there for 10. They said five seconds. I don't know. I was thinking like it was longer than that to throw that pass. But that was an awful long pass for him to throw for that far. Now, if they had just ran it down their throats and scored, okay, Alabama's better. But you know, but you played in Auburn's hands, buddy. I mean, I, you, you got to stop that. You got to. I got to get a PI on that, yeah. <laughs> and we'll see what and take my chances. Hold I just have something. to something, <laughs> something. Yeah, something. Can't just let it I'm going to the get somebody beer in your face. <laughs> You're not catching that ball. You're not catching that ball. <laughs> you are not going to catch that ball. You're going to go on the next play, coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, so, to you, Micaiah, what, what did you kind of think about the ending? And just obviously, as Mr. Greco was saying, it, it just was one of the most bizarre endings for a rivalry game. Mr. Greco had a question. I have two. How many <laughs> did they rush and why? How the heck are you rushing two people on fourth and forever? I get that the idea of rushing two is so that you have everybody in coverage, but then he gets to do what he did and just sit around there all day with no pressure. Bring four. If he beats you over the top and makes a great throw as a mobile running quarterback and he makes a great throw, you live with it. Okay? If he, if the safety plays it, gets beat, you live with it. I even had talked to a friend that thought said they should have brought a corner blitz and brought five to pressure in so they had no time to mess with that. Because then if he takes off – then he's getting to the point where then they're going to lose it because he's not going to run for all that because they're all going to rally to the tackle. Yeah. I don't I don't know if I would have brought five, but I guarantee you, if I'm the defensive quarter, I'm bringing more than two. Yeah. I'm bringing at least yeah, three, yeah. probably my full yeah. four. So we, I know I get what you guys were saying with the do something so that yeah. he can't catch it. Yeah. I wouldn't have put my defensive back in that position. I would have brought four so that the quarterback can't do that at and let his receivers least, yeah. run all over and ad lib. And then he has all day to do it because they only bring two. Yeah. That's just to me unacceptable on defense. Um, Hugh Freeze is going to get him right because I think he's the right coach for them. Uh, this is just a very untalented young Auburn team, and the fact that they were in this game is a huge props to them. Yeah. But that was more my take on it: is like, why are you bringing two? They, no one, even in the pros, they bring at least three on a hail mary situation. Yeah. So two, two to me is just unacceptable because you have five offensive linemen. That means you basically are double teamed with one extra dude getting to play wherever he does, and right. you're getting no pass rush there. And he's going to be able to make a throw. So it doesn't matter how many you have in coverage. You're going to get a holding or a pass interference or some kind of call because that's what the game is now, and it is going to slant to the offense. So don't put your defensive backs in that position. Rush the quarterback and make him have to make a throw make him have to make a decision and not give him all of that time like mr greco said five ten however much time felt like an eternity i remember yeah. watching the highlight and i'm like this dude literally has the whole freaking day to throw this ball because there's no pressure and i just to me unacceptable on the defensive side you have to bring more than that than just two so that he has some kind of pressure to make a decision and make a throw than that they dared him Wellington. they dared him well, they got burned we know we know that he, he's more accurate deep ball, right? Yeah. And I don't he think is. It's crazy. And he has some trouble with accuracy, mid, mid, intermediate, and, and mid throws. But that's a, that's considered a deep. That's over like 40, 50 yards. And he yes. had time to sit back there, plant his feet, and zero in, which was a perfect throw. It was beautiful. That's beautiful from the offensive side. It was a beautiful yeah. throw. Yes. At least, yeah. And I'm on your side. At least rush three. Four cornerbacks. At least three. I, like, I actually like that idea 
because on the run, he's not as... You force him to scramble, and then he's not yeah. as accurate throwing yeah. the run. And then you also force him, if you bring the corner blicks from the uh, the right side of the offense, then you force him to go offside and have to make do this down yeah. the field 50 yards. And that's a way harder throw on the run doing that. Play conservative, yeah. but Alabama was overdue for a miracle because, you know, we always see... That's true, yeah, because Auburn's been the one getting all the miracles. It was time. Yeah, it was because he probably would have ran at the thirty-two if they if he if they rushed him because because yeah, he's really yeah. Then the secondary him. rallies. Then the secondary rallies though. He probably got. Yeah, they hadn't done the ball early in the game. How many touchdowns did he have? Didn't he have a couple of touchdowns? How many yeah. yards rushing? He had over hundred yards rushing, didn't he? I mean, I believe so. I think that is. Correct. Yeah, but he's got it. In that case, he's got to make 47 just to get the first. It was I'm pretty sure it was fourth and 47. So I understand him running all over. He's not he's not rushing for 47. Someone will track him down before he gets 47. Yeah, but he wasn't supposed to make a fourth and 31 catch either. No. <laughs> all these scenarios, it seemed like they still was going to score regardless. Exactly. Exactly. It boils down to what Savant said. It was, Alabama was due to get one. That's just what it boiled down to. They, they're going to get it by hook or by crow. Yeah. And before we close it out, get into the most intriguing conference, conference champion. Conference championship. Savon already knows. Savon already knows what I'm picking. I got the rematch I wanted. Yeah. Washington, Oregon. We Washington, about Oregon. That's Preach! That's Preach, Wellington! There's no other game I'm, I'm more excited about than this one because you have Bo Nix, Michael Pendix Jr. The first game was one of the best games of the season. Yeah. Uh, to you, Mr. Greco, what, what, what would be your most intriguing conference championship? That's going to be a good one. Without a doubt. Washington, Oregon. Um... And like I, I, we've talked about that before off air. Uh, I, I really like that quarterback from Washington, Pennick. I saw him in uh, – he played for Indiana as a freshman. Yeah. And he went for – he got – as a freshman, he got at least four touchdown passes against us. And, gave, and you know, that's supposed to be our sleeper, a cakewalk game. And he he put it to us. That, that kid can throw that ball, okay? Uh, really a good game. I'm hoping for, as an Ohio State fan, I know we have no way in, <laughs> but <laughs> but they did leave. It's not happening, Mister Greco. It's not happening. The Iowa cannot do anything on offense. <laughs> they did us. They did leave us at six. So if Louisville smacks down Florida State, <laughs> okay, somebody and Washington beats Oregon, we got to sh- and especially if Texas loses to Oklahoma State. We got a shot. That's where you have the shot. We got a shot. That's the only shot that they have is if that craziness happens. That's Texas is not losing to Oklahoma State. But, uh, <laughs> but that George Alabama game, man, that's a pro game. That's a, that's gonna be a war. Oh yeah, that's, that's my game. That's that's a is that yours, Ron? That's a pro game. That's that's gonna be a war. It really is. That's that's a grown men game there. <laughs> you know. And my whole thing is that's why I'm not so wild about this 12 or however many was it 16 teams in the playoffs 12 12 next 12, year 16, next year 12. because after a game like that Georgia and Al- after Georgia and Alabama get through beating up on each other how are these boys going to get be able to play two and three more games college kids that's that's, that's they have a, a month whole... off they have a month off in college well they're not going to give them a month for this playoff Oh, you're saying once they change to the twelve, the twelve right, team, right, you right, mean? Right. That, that will be interesting. I thought you were talking about in the current setting. Yeah, and twelve will be interesting. Yeah, with twelve, how are you going to? do? They got to keep playing every week. 
And you're going to have injuries at that because these kids are so intense and so hyped at 18, 19, 20, trying to outdo each other. Oh, there's going to be some mass injuries, I think. I don't see how they're going to – I think 12 was too many, but that's a whole other topic. But uh, uh, They should have done eight. Yeah, I think they it should have been done eight. Too. Yeah. But I still think I, I think that Georgia Alabama game that's that's a, that's a pro, that's a grown man game right there. They're gonna be that's that's gonna be a game. That's a war, and I think Georgia will take them. Yeah. What, what, what would be your pick, Micaiah? How is it not Washington, Oregon? Like to, I get what y'all are saying with Georgia and Alabama because Alabama's look good. I I think Georgia's gonna smack them personally. Mm-hmm. I think Georgia's been saving something. Alabama has been on the ascension. I get it. I mean, to, they, they've proven with Kirby that they, they are the hot team. For, so, I don't know. I could be wrong. I think Alabama has been playing the weak side of the SEC on this win streak. And so, they're gonna get. I think they're going to get smacked personally. But I, even still, I still think the Oregon-Washington game, if you look at what has already transpired in the regular season game, if we get an nth of that, it's going to be it's going to be crazy. And I think Oregon should have won that game. Dan Lanning kind of messed up some calls in being too aggressive. I think that's the other side of being too aggressive. What we were talking about with Ohio State and Michigan in terms of I know you got Bo Nix, but like your defense was playing all right against Penix in a good spots and starting to figure it out, especially in the second half. And he just gave Washington really good positioning. So to me. I'm picking Washington, Oregon, just because I think it's more high power. Maybe it's because I I got a little anti-SEC bias in me. I get that. But I'm also more of a fan of offense. I think it's just going to be offense for days in Oregon, Washington. And I think that Bo Nix, Michael Penix, we're talking about two of the best college uh, quarterbacks in the game right now. So I'm just looking for fireworks, and I think it's going to be an awesome game. But and Oregon's going to be out for blood, too. But haven't we seen Oregon? You know, Oregon always they keep coming with these great teams, and then when it when it comes down, when the chips are down, there's never no Oregon at the end. That is true. I I think this team's different. I think this one is different with Bo Nix. <laughs> that defense is see, legit. I don't see that when they. I don't see it. We'll find out. They're coming to Big Ten next year. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's boys. gonna be lovely. That's gonna be <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> We'll find out for ourselves, but <laughs> but uh, I just you know I, you know Oregon uh, they just find a way to lose big games to me. I just don't see it. They have all these great teams, pretty uniforms, all these fancy plays, but at the end of the day, you know, they always keep coming up. I mean, Washington almost lost to Washington State last week, so they did. They did. They did. State has a good high power offense. Yeah, the they are a good team. Yeah, they did. The schedule, their record but, doesn't show how good they really are. Right. But Washington is twelve and zero. Washington's, I, I like them a lot. They're they're a good squad. Yeah, I, I like that quarterback though, Pinnock. I really like him. Savon, SEC. He's keeping in the SEC. No, I'm changing. Florida State, Louisville. This is why I say that. What? Florida good State game. is no. This is going to be a good game. Why they have a third string good quarterback? Game. Coach's kid show decent amount of integrity and patience against Florida. I do. I'm still pissed about that game. <sighs> I know. I know you are. <laughs> but there, a lot of people are counting them out. That defense is really good. Number, I can't remember his name, number five. And they got a, they got two pass rushers that go after the secondary. is better than I thought they were. And Louisville is still a decent team, but everybody's counting them out in the playoffs. If they win this with a third-string quarterback, and then they're going to have a shot to prove a lot of people wrong in that playoffs. I think it's going to be a good game. 
Can he repeat what he did against Florida? And do they open up the playbook a little bit? I know there's only a second week starting, but there's a lot of things going forward because they're number four. They're on the, the, the outskirts of getting in, in the playoffs. You got all these right. other teams playing each other. So I think this is going to be a good game. He's a young kid. I thought he played phenomenal to be his first game. He took a hit. Idiots, man. It, he was coming off the field. And he took a hit, came back in, and, and threw it. Like, bro, I'm telling you, he's he has he has the it factor. So that's going to be a good game. Washington, I'm old school. I'm a defensive guy. I like defense. I like defense wins championship. Yeah. That's how I was brought up. Fireworks is so- cool until they get into an SEC team like Auburn. Remember that Auburn? If um Oregon game, Oregon, yeah, Oregon was nowhere near as high part as it were the entire year. Mariotis the same way when he was there. Like when it gets to teams that are actually have a defense, different story. It, it's different story. That's why That's I say fireworks is cool, but when it gets down to the nitty gritty, are they gonna play Georgia has a good defense? You think Oregon is gonna play Georgia real good in their defense? They get so many things. Even even I say Michigan's a complete team because their defense is strong and their offense is strong. They don't have all these fireworks, but they are consistent and they move the ball. And they don't make many mistakes. They don't. Bo Nix still makes a lot of mistakes. Washington makes a lot of mistakes. I've seen that these close games. So I'm not it's it's cool. But when it gets down to the playoffs, they you're not gonna be have to make many mistakes. You can't make many mistakes against these other teams that have good. You're defenses. right. You're right about I that. Just think, I right. just think this is gonna be the most entertaining. I just think Washington Oregon is gonna be the most entertaining. Yeah, entertaining is gonna be entertaining. I, I like I, hits. I, think yeah. I like. I'm hits. shocked yes. you bet. I'm shocked you bet Louisville Florida State because that's gonna be a lot of points, Savon. That's gonna be a lot of points. You don't think so? This the, yeah. I think Florida State defense is gonna get after it. I think the Florida State defense. It's going to get after it. I see. I watched. So then, the so then you're saying the Florida State's offense is not competent <laughs> enough to put up points on Louisville because Louisville got a <laughs> crap defense. A, it's going to be a close game. It's a third string quarterback in his second game. So that's what you're okay. So that's I'm, what you're I'm saying. So you think that Florida gonna, State? Yeah. If they're going to okay the playbook for him, are they going to keep it conservative? Okay. Are they going to rely on the running game, which they can with Benson, who's one of the most patient running backs in collegiate football? He, he made me a believer against us in a couple other games. So I wonder how they're going to do this in there on the outskirts of number four. So if they lose this game, they're going to bump out because, one, they have a third-string quarterback. Oh, for yeah, for sure. So they're, they're done they if they lose. Win, so I'm wondering how they're going to play and let the quarterback do in this game against Louisville, which is still a good team. I mean, they 10-2. They, they, lost, they lost to some good team, two good teams. So I just want to see how they do. I think – That'll be more intriguing because of the circumstances. Because I mean, in Florida State, number four. Yeah, on the, they're four. Yeah, on that's the, that's what he, he means on the edge, as if like that yeah. four is on the edge. So yeah, yeah. To me, I I get that. I just don't. To me, the implications aren't that big because if they lose, they're out. If they win, I mean, that, so I guess the implication of that, like yeah, if they, yeah. they they they're out. But I I don't know. I just don't think Louisville's going to be able to do it. As guess where I'm I'm thinking because Louisville just. Chokes the big games to me this year. Not if uh, Jordan just, Travis just want to be a conversation. No, this wouldn't be a conversation. That and, that and that's so that's why I get it a little bit. To me, the reason the other reason the Pac-12 was more interesting is because the winner of that game is going to get in. I think personally, uh, because yeah, you're going to yeah, have yeah, yeah. Washington's already in. Yeah. Okay. yeah, Washington's. Well, in, yeah. I'm saying if, if if Oregon avenges the loss in the championship, then they're going to flip spots. They're going to flip spots essentially. Because the the here and this is the one thing I don't I know we run a little bit long. Here's the one pandemonium thing that will be the nightmare for the college football committee. 
Oregon beats Washington, and they're both 10 and 1. Texas holds serve against Oklahoma State. They're 10 and 1. Michigan wins out. But if Georgia loses to Alabama and they're both 10 and 1, and now you've got, and even if and Florida State then wins out and wins that game and they're undefeated, you then have a 10 and 1 Oregon team, a 10 and 1 Washington team, a 10 and 1 Texas team, a 10 and 1 Alabama team, a 10 and 1 Georgia team with an undefeated Michigan and an undefeated Florida State team that would be in there. Those last two spots would be crazy to talk about because ten and ten and one state too. You're out, Mr. Greco. I'm sorry. If you if you don't play a championship game, you're out. You're out. I'm sorry, man. Ten and one. I thought you talked about because the reason it's interesting is because then Alabama will have beaten Georgia in the championship game. And so they're, then it's like, are you really going to put Georgia in when they lost in the championship game? But then your struggle of, okay, let's put it Alabama. Uh, excuse me, Texas beat you earlier in the year. Head-to-heads have to matter. So if, it that to me is the crazy scenario. Georgia's still going. Georgia's still going. Georgia's going. So, think SEC, so, if, if this, so what would they do then with Alabama? Alabama will get in. You think really Alabama wouldn't get in at ten and one if they won in the SEC number, championship? Oh, if they win the championship, yeah, they're in. I think they'll win. I know, but that but Savon, they'll be ten and one. They'll be ten and one, and they'll beat Georgia head to head. Eleven and one, but they won't get in. I think Texas will squeak up, or even if they win the if Oregon, if Oregon beats Washington, I think Washington is obviously out, and Georgia loses. I think Georgia will go number four. Oregon will go number three. Um, Texas probably squeak up somewhere. It's 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 a close call. How does Georgia win. get in when they have the same record as Alabama, and then Alabama will have beaten them head to head in the championship late, late in the year? Because remember when um, Alabama LSU when SEC did that, both had one losses and they still played in the national yeah. championship. It's, it's, it's the happened same before, yeah. but that's because the other the other things didn't happen to me. That 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 was the craziness of all the other ten and one Georgia teams. Won't get out. Georgia will be. They'll be on the cuffs. So Georgia's going to be in it. I, they're not going to be out because I think they're going to beat Alabama regardless. So that's why. But I, I, if that's clear and unequivocal bias, if they get in and Alabama beats them head to head, I forgot. So Florida State is going to win. Florida State will be number two. Michigan will be number one. Georgia will be number four, and then I think Oregon will be number three. Three, yeah. If they beat Washington. If they beat Washington. Yeah. I just no, can't see them putting in. I can't see them putting in a non-championship winner ahead of championship winners that have the same record. They're the back-to-back. Well, they did it last year. That's how we got in. They'll do it. They'll do it. They'll and I get that, but if they do that, then that is clear and obvious bias. Then you're going off of last year, not this year. Yeah. And that's not we what it's supposed to be. Yeah, we don't deserve it. I know that. <laughs> they won't be undefeated if they lose in the conference championship. So then you're saying, oh, because you were undefeated the last two years, we're going to put you in even though you lost in the conference championship. So, that to me makes no sense. It makes no sense if you're tied with all of the other. Con- Texas will be a conference champion. Oregon's, or excuse me, Oregon will be a conference champion. And then if that scenario played out, Alabama would be a conference championship, and they would all have the same exact record as Georgia. And Georgia this year, not a good schedule. Weak, weak, weak schedule. It was weak. So, it was weak. As well as so, then you're basically saying if they get in, you're essentially saying they're they're past champions, and that's why we're putting them in. Be out of the playoff. Georgia will probably be number four. Because out of all those teams that would be wild to me. One, all the teams eleven one, even a conference championship, Texas is not ready for the playoffs. If Oregon beats Washington, that lets me know Washington is not ready because Washington's going to have a tough time in the playoffs regardless if they beat Oregon. So it's I think it's more of strength of who the matchup because we don't want to see a, a blowout 
I think if Florida State squeaks in, it won't be they'll they'll hold their own. Well, in that play. case, then they need to kick Florida State out because Florida no, State's going to get the tail kicked by whoever they're Florida in. Florida State got a, a great, yeah. uh, not a great, but a good defense, and they have a running game and three wide receivers that could take the top off. Bro, their offense still moves the ball in that running game. Well, you know, Savon, 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 let's let's save this for 2024 part two because okay. we, we we part two we're gonna get this part two part two. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> it's not gonna matter because Georgia's gonna win. It's gonna end up being Georgia. Georgia's gonna be the undefeated. It's gonna be Georgia, Florida State, and Michigan, and then whoever they decide to put in at the fourth spot. That's what it's gonna well, it's, be. It's kind of like what Lewis, what Saban said last year. You know, who when you pick go head to head up, uh, you know. Whichever one, Florida State against Georgia, who's going to be the favorite? You know, when Alabama plays Washington, who's going to be the favorite? Alabama. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, you know, and it's supposed to be getting the four best teams. Said it there. Because, anywho, we'll save it because, I mean, we'll we want to take Georgia out because they could go for a three-peat. That's history. Okay. That's history. That's history. Can I, can I ask you one last question? Yeah. Can I ask one last question that is so, sort of relevant? Who's gonna win the Heisman? It, it should be it should be the quarterback from LSU, but they won't give it to him because of the record. If, if it was a true envy, if it was a true, if it was a true way it was supposed to be based off of stats and value to the team, it should unequivocally go to him because they would have a way worse record with that defense if it was not for him. And he has put up some gaudy, gaudy yeah, I, numbers. I, I, I and so. But the reason he's not going to get it is because they're seven and three. That's the reason they're not going to get it. And the Heisman is decent stats with a winning team, and that's why he's not going to get it because he's not winning enough. Even though right. he blows anyone else in terms of stats out of the water, everyone else yeah. gets blown out of the water with him. So I think it's Bo Nix because they'll only have one one loss if they beat Washington, and no one else will have close to the stats that Bo does. That's uh, where I think it ends up going. It's Bo Nix. I would agree with you on the LSU quarterback. I don't think he'll get it. Um, I like Penix though to get it. Penix Jr. That's, That's my. Yeah, well, I'll give it to Penix if he win. I, I would say it goes to the winner of the Oregon. It goes to the winner of the Oregon. It'll go to the winner of the Pac-12 championship. Is who I think it'll go Probably. to because both Probably. of them have great numbers, and so then they'll give it to whoever's the Pac-12 championship plus the great numbers. Yeah. Save Savon's corner. You just gonna leave us hanging? You're not gonna give us a pick. It doesn't You're matter. Give us a pick. <laughs> 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 All right, no, I think Mr. Greco. Bo, yeah. Bo will win it because Bo is playing lights out. He's playing like he's ready to play on Sunday. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Mr. Greco Makai, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. We, we definitely got to uh, run this back again when, when uh, <laughs> Super, Bowl, Super Bowl time. Yeah. So, so, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate you, fellas, man. Enjoyed it. Really do. Thanks for inviting me. Definitely. Always a Y'all pleasure, guys. Goals. Happy holidays. Absolutely. We're going to take a call. We'll be right back with our Skype already. In a minute. Welcome back to the show. Now we're getting into our Skyfall review. To start off with the overview, this is a 2012 spy film and 23rd in the James Bond series. The film stars Daniel Craig, Javier Bardem, not this guy. I can't say focus. And the film is about Bond investigating a series of targeted data leaks and coordinated attacks on MI6 led by Rael Silva at a budget of 150 to 200 million and brought in 1.109 billion into the box office. Also has a 92% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And this film was nominated for five uh, five awards at the 85th Academy Awards. And it, looking back at it, I mean, this is a movie. It's one of the to me. It's it's 
I put it up as the best Bond film, um, one of the best, if if not, you know, top three. I think looking at the totality of it, um, the cinematography was really good. Daniel Craig yeah, was really in his element. Javier Bardem, you just have that great villain. To you, like looking back at it, like what were your initial thoughts on this film and just, you know, how it's aged 11 years later? I do think he was the best villain for sure. Yeah. Out of all the Bonds, even the old school ones, it's just what he brings to the screen. It's, different. <clears throat> it's so different. Yeah, it's just like, even in just like he's like his, like how, yeah, it was just weird. That's my favorite scene. We'll get to that. But no, when watching this film, the cinematography was amazing. How they shot this. Obviously, action films get you more into sequences. A lot of jump cuts sometimes, but I, I love how this was shot. I think this was probably one of the best film Bond movies. Obviously, you got it was the actual cameras. film. It was an actual film. Yeah. Yes, and Sam Mendes is is known for you know some of the quick shots, hero shots, like some of the, the sequences. He's really, really, really good at, and he can get to sink his teeth in it because it's an action film. And then the James Bond, you got that. You got to have that certain uh, repertoire when it comes to. Um, you know, a bombs film, but nah, this was, it was really dope. I really enjoyed Javier's um, performance in this movie. Like he's just, he can, he just sinks into that role, but in real life, he's such a, like a nice guy. So he went it's, like, it's such a no. switch. It's such a switch. Yeah. It's just a switch in a role. It's, it's so, it's, it's clean. It's, it's no like fault in his acting. It's yeah. It's all clean, all clean acting. Definitely. Like, and before we move on, do you think that's what elevated in, into getting into, obviously the cinematography was going to get Academy Award nominations, yeah. but do you kind of feel as though when you have that elite villain, like we said, like we saw what he did in No Country for Old Men, like he's that guy, yeah. he builds up that repertoire. That's what kind of elevates it to like, okay, the Oscars are going to recognize this. Of course. you. I think attack the protagonist, I mean, the antagonist is as big as the protagonist. Yeah. And I think when it comes to him being a villain or just one of those, cause he's, he can get into these roles and bring, it's like the mannerisms. It's like the sort things like him just getting up and it's just, it's like different movements that bring it to light and just makes things more, more involved for the, for the character and into more complete. On screen. Yeah. More complete. That's how he was like, that's not a good mom. Like, it's just like, you felt like you just was like, you know, a fly on the room. Like, bro, he really going in on this lady that you really thought. And like, so it was just like, Sheesh. His his acting brings so much to the table, and having a villain makes the whole the whole um, screenplay, you know, the dialogue, everything better because they didn't really say that much in one of these scenes, and it, you know it carried weight though. It's, it was all about movements, like we talked about, you know, Heat Al, yeah. Al Pacino. It was like they really didn't say much. They was like it's how they looked around, how they wasn't like they were nonchalant. He wasn't afraid, like. Well, you're not gonna do nothing to me. What you gonna do to me? Like Robin Nero's character, yes. what you gonna do to me? Yeah. Like, yeah, so it's just like, yeah, it's a it's oh, a whole like, nother story within the story. I will brother. take you. <laughs> I like, 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 okay. And then it was like he was unfazed yes. by it. It's the same thing in these in certain in certain scenes here. Like the characters really brought it out. It was more so not even the dialogue, but it was like, you know, the body movements and the the length, the body language. Definitely. Um, and I'll get into our first topic from one to four stars. What would you give it? Um, I would definitely give this one four because this was a perfectly just orchestrated film from the action and inventive set pieces. Um, and, and, and like we said, like the, the villain, it takes it to a different a different knot. Yeah. And, and I feel as though this was kind of like one of the more vulnerable Bond performances because of obviously his his uh, partnership with him and, and just kind of like the history that they had together and what they yeah. went through over the years. Um, so you from one to four stars, what would you give it? 
Definitely four stars because of the villain in the cinematography. I think that obviously it tells a story within the story and how you shoot it, how you in, in emphasize the scene with the shots that you take and just the, the, you know, Javier playing this, this civil role as the villain just brings it more out and makes you like be attentive to what's going on the screen. Cause you can get lost sometimes in James Bond's films. Okay. There's going to be a lot of shit shooting, a lot of shaking those stir martinis, a lot of females, a <laughs> lot of like, but you can get lost in the action. But I think him being this 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 violent villain and this kind of like mild mannered villain, yes, I think it brings it brings a different different style to the James Bond film. So definitely four stars because of that. Absolutely. Um, and I'll get into favorite character. Uh, to me, Silva. I mean, he he yeah. he, he, take, he really he it's, really t- take this award away because I mean, yeah. such a top tier enemy and managed to control the tempo and a lot of chilling scenes. And we mentioned so many times with villains, it's not just like the ones who were like. Um, the the physically like intimidating ones, but also like the ones who can tap into that psychological element. He really does that in so many different scenes. Like, um, to you overall, what what skid out to you like about him in this movie? The, his his storytelling within his character. Yeah, him talking about you know, hello James, do you like the island? My grandmother had an island. Like, it's just he just goes, but it all ties back into what he's trying he's to say within the character. Yeah, so it's like. Most villains, they tell stories or they have this certain dialogue. But I think this dialogue was different because now he's talking about his upbringing within uh, bringing it back to the focal point of the story or the scene. The story doesn't take away from the scene and how it's shot, but it enhances it and emphasizes the development of that character. Because you wouldn't know his grandma had a, uh, a island or they hid uh, oil drums. And um, I think he said something about they tie coconuts or something in it and it hid yeah. from the rats or something. Like, why are you telling me this, bro? <laughs> like, why? But it's it's like, it's a psychotic slash same thing that you bring to the character because now you're like, bro, what are you talking about? Like, imagine you're in that sense and your hands tied behind your back and a dude is talking about his grandmother in his island and them hiding oil drums and stuff like, bro, just kill me. <laughs> That's like, what, what I'm saying. About? Don't prolong this anymore. Like, <laughs> what? So it was your typical dialogue, but with not your typical dialogue, if that makes sense. Right. Because it was a, it was a different style of storytelling. Because you know how all villains are teller, whatever, whatever. And then like, oh, we saw this coming. I think with this villain, you didn't really see what he was all about firsthand. It, right. it took a while to see him develop, which is what you want in a villain. Absolutely. Um, and now getting to most memorable scenes, I had the word test and, and bullet removal. Also the, the glass mm-hmm. marksman shot, uh, Bond meets Q. Uh, Silva attacks yeah. M at the government board of inquiry. The M poem scene, also Silva's reunion with M. One thing right, and then finally the ending scene. Uh, to you overall in this movie, uh, what were some of like the the scenes, or maybe one in particular that kind of stood out the most? The best scene when he was talking about the island, I thought that was one of the best scenes to me because obviously we were introduced to Silva Silva in a more uh, heightened fashion, and then we get the background of Bond as well, like. You didn't pass your all this stuff. Like you yeah, really like think you got she's forty <laughs> percent, bro? Like, bro, she's lying to you, bro. Like you're not supposed to be back here. So she doesn't really care. So now we got a, a heightened sense of both characters' development, and then I think the dialogue and the body language in that scene was really, really dope. Um, I thought it kind of you know brung the story to some type of crescendo in some sense, but I thought that was the dopest one. 
Um, that was the dopest one. The dialogue was dope. The body language was dope. Him just getting up, tracking his teeth, like, and then the blonde hair gets me every time. Like, bro, I, I've never seen Javier with Ever. blonde hair. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was extremely weird, but it was cool for the character. Because yeah. first look, you wouldn't think he's a villain or a bad guy. You think, At all. You know what I'm saying? He sell condos in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> condos in Miami. <laughs> Hey man, can you hook me up? Can me up? And before we move on, it's so interesting looking at this franchise. I mean, I'm, I'm like so many like years have passed by where it's different types of Bond characters, uh, di- different type of Bond actors per- portraying the role. Like to you, like what makes this franchise one that people like still revisit? Because I mean, even growing up, I mean, I would see so many like like Bond flashbacks. It was a movie that like the type of movies that would always kind of be on reruns So you like what makes this franchise one that people even still revisit and still have interest in, you know, even for the newer ones. I think there was always a sense of like uh fascination with, with spy films. Yes. And then you have this guy who's like at night and whatever fighting, you know, killing people, saving the world. And he's, you know, he's drinking martinis, shaking not stirred. He's a, a ladies man. So yeah. it's a lot of fascination with these films. Cause I think um, Sean Connery was James Bond as well. He was a good James Bond too. Um, shaking on stirred, stirred. His <laughs> voice was so weird, but he was a dope James Bond. So I think it was a fascination with the the charisma that came with James Bond, and then the danger he yes. also faced and brought, you know, to to the screen. So it was a fascination for it. Definitely. Um, and I'll get into most more quotes. I had sometimes the always were the best from Eve. Also, uh, all the jumping and fighting. It's exhausting from Silva. I'm guessing this is not official from Q. Uh, you know the answer to that. You know the whole story from Bond. And finally, some men are coming to kill us. We're going to kill them first uh, from Bond. L- like, That's to me, one. that was a really good one. There were so That's many, a lot of times, it's cliche, cliche quotes in Bond movies. I feel as though with this one, there was like more focus on the dialogue and especially with the the, the storytelling from Silva. Uh, to you, like overall, what, what was like maybe like one or two quotes that, that kind of, you know, popped out to you? Um, I'm going to read it verbatim. Do you see what comes... Off all this running around, Mr. Bond, all this jumping and fighting is exhausting. Relax. You need to relax. Oh, well, mother's calling. It was so. Yeah. I'll give you a, I'll give her a goodbye kiss for you. Bro, do you, that's some strong dialogue, bro. Very much so. The uh, condescending in it, the just sarcasm within it, with all in one paragraph, and his facial expression is bringing it out too. And then the other one, he was talking about something or um, James Bond said, or a gas explosion in London. He said, mm-hmm, just point and click. Well, everybody needs a hobby. He says, so what's yours? Resurrection. Dope. Because James Bond don't die, brother. He comes back. Firelight. Yeah, so fire. I thought that was, yeah, that was a firelight. What's yours? Resurrection. <laughs> he just looked at him. Yeah, bro. That, you can't say Touché. that. Yeah, you <laughs> He's can't like, say All right, that. Got me that was dope. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and I'll get to what did you like the most about the storyline. Um, t- to me, just how it prioritized the partnership between uh, James Bond and M, it- it's such yeah. a major part of the story. And this makes the character even, l- like I said before, even m- more vulnerable, which is a side that we, we really don't see out of-, out of a lot of Bond movies. Um, to you, like what particular element of this storyline did you like the most? That, to be honest with you, because he trusted her, you know, throughout this process, right? Even yeah. like before Skyfall. Um, and then somebody tearing down the whole thing, like all you thought about her now is untrue. Now you have to find a retrust in her and build that trust up again that and helps. still save the day. But I also liked the villain aspect, the new type of villain aspect 
who told stories was different. He didn't move like normal villains. He didn't talk like normal villains. Right. He was an outcast of villains, I thought. And to bring that to the screen into Skyfall, which I think is one of the, it's probably, it's definitely top three, bro. Yeah. It's definitely top. Absolutely. I got Skyfall. I got, um, yeah, go ahead. Die Another Day. I don't know. My, my favorite Bonds is, uh, Pierce Bronson. Oh, you like Pierce Bronson the best. That's, yeah, that's gotcha. one of my, my favorite Bond. That's where I grew up on. Like, Die Another Day, it was a couple before that. I mean, he had an invisible car, like, in the Ooh. snow. Like, I uh, remember, like, bro, that's what I remember That's as a the kid, one that, so. I, I, that I rewatched the most, because it was always on Die Another Day. Like, that, that was yes. up there. That was definitely up there. And then Holly, Holly Berry was in it, so. Yeah, I definitely replaying that. <laughs> <laughs> Run it back. Rewind. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Holly, no, Holly's yeah. in this? Holly's in this? Hold on. Holiday? And she got the little short spiky hair. But no, man, yeah. So man, I I, I love I love that aspect was as well as the, the, the new aspect of villainy. Uh, I don't know if that was a word, but I'm gonna go with it. Um but I think it was I different from any other James Bond film, and that's what so I really different. liked about it. It's so different from any James Bond film. Cause you don't like see what's coming. You can't expect what type of villain you're gonna see. Even with the one, um, this guy played in. Uh, I think it was No Time to Die. Oh, no, it was Casino Royale. Another like, one of my I favorites. Could, Another one of my favorites. It was favorites. really good one. But I, the villain, I can tell what type of villain he was. Predictable. Yeah, yeah predictable. And this one, you got a guy with blonde hair, obviously from Ecuador. <laughs> There's no way they have blonde hair in Ecuador. There's no way. And your grandmother got an island, bro? Like, what, bro? Like, it was just a different type, just a different type of, of James Bond film. But he played in four. I didn't that's, know he played in that That's many. a lot. That's a lot, that's man. I know they like it. You know, Timothy Dalton, only in one. That was it. Yeah. He was only in one. Yeah. I know Sean Connery, he had a a, a plethora of oh, them. He, he, yeah. he, took, he took the cake. Yeah. He was, Pierce Bronson. Yeah, he was Pierce like Bronson a, had a few. Not, yeah. Pierce Bronson yeah, had I think several. he had three. Roger Moore. I think he had three. Yeah. Roger Moore had a lot. But I mean, when you get four, man, they are invested. And looking back at the the mid twenty the, the mid twenty tens, he was running it. Everybody knew it was yeah. Daniel Craig. It was it was definitely yeah. Daniel Craig. Um, and before we get to our last topic, you know, looking at Sam Mendes, like what he's done, like he, he made films like 1917 Roads Perdition, um, mm-hmm. and looking at what he did with this movie, like, like what impressed you the most? Because I know like for you, you really focus on how films are shot. What impressed you the most about his direction, what he kind of brought to, to, to this franchise? Well, I think he brought, it's, I think it's, 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 it's telling a story, right? And we always say, um, the the shots and the scenery tells the story within the story, but it's how you shoot it. It's what angles you use in the right moments to bring the scene out. He used a uh, he didn't use a lot of hero shots, but he used a, a lot of close up shots, a lot of uh, emotion, a, a, a lot of evoking uh, body language. So it was a lot of like jump cuts, a lot of close up shots to see. And then once it came to action, it was a lot of great sequences. So he brought. He brought all the action together, but it was sequence. It was sequence sequence to where it made sense. Yeah. Like you can have some scenes that some like like Westcom scenes don't go together. Like you know they were in the editing room. It's like ah, I wish we had yeah. shot this shot, but we have to use this shot. I think everything was um, determined and shot really well. That they had so much that it it, it, it made sense. 
because a, a lot of uh, directors will like, I think who it was, um, it was a director of uh, Training Day. And it was a scene, he was talking about uh, Denzel Washington scene when he was like, King Kong got on to me. If you look at that shot, it was unfocused. Right. It was unfocused, it was blurry, but he wanted to use it because of the improvised line by Denzel Washington. And normally you want to use that. If a shot is unfocused or whatever, you want to use that. You'll try to figure it out another way. But I said that to say, I think when, when Sam Mendes shoot, he shoots with purpose and he shoots with, with strategic sequences that brings the story to life as well as make it make sense. Because mm. how did that car blow up and we didn't see something that pre, no, you know, Led up to that, oh yeah, it just it was just yeah. it's just sometimes these directors are weird, and then they yeah whatever they try to do everything and edit instead of shooting it with purpose, like Clint Eastwood does, like uh, Quentin Tarantino, because Clint Eastwood do not Clint Eastwood do do not waste film, he At shoots all. one and twice and then he's over where he's gone, he shoots with purpose, and I think that's what Sam Mendes does. Absolutely. And now we get into our last topic, Tears from Now. Do you still think that we watched one intriguing? It's definitely like this is the eleventh year anniversary of it. A lot of people have been, been, yeah. been talking about it, um, rewatching it. Uh to me, it, it's it's one it's top three Bond movie. It gets into that emotional dialogue, it gets into the, the psyche of Bond. This is like the most we've seen the psyche of Bond kind of analyzed and him just being vulnerable. And then Silva, it just takes the cake for the best Bond villain ever. And 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 yeah. hits hits it in every scene. Really hits the mark in every scene. Uh, to you, what do you think will make this intriguing? Just an, even another decade from now for for new reviewers. It's Bond, man. It's it's hard not to. I think this is one series or like, well, I call it. I call it series. They have so many. It's not a, a, a sequel anymore. These are like this is a series yeah. at this point. So many James Bond movies, um, but it's it's historically sound. And, you know, set in stone, James Bond. Everybody knows what James Bond is. Even if you don't like it or don't want to watch you're it, you're going to watch it again. You're going to watch it again. And then you you look at Daniel Craig's performance. He's getting, he's got better every film he's been in with as James Bond. He's progressing every film. And I think this one was his best film because now he has somebody to go with great dialogue. I'm not saying all the other villains weren't good in dialogue or body language. They or weren't to this life. degree. They yeah, but Javier, he's, you know, wins awards for a reason, bro. The man is, is a monster when it comes to bringing these characters to life. So now you have that. I wonder how much they paid him, what they had to say to get him to play this role. But I think this is what made the film. And I think this is what people are going to come back in and watch because he great performance again. Absolutely. I mean, just exceptional all the way around. And, and, and it's one that, that stays in that kind of pantheon of Bond movies. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Winsor Burns. I'm my kind of person, Bond Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later.